mean, we should have known the chip was in a coffin box. But we didn't know better, and we had a lot of fun, and I'm just saying that I won the chip challenge. Yes, thank you. I accept trophies. Anyway, um, we're going to have a great time talking about Jesus today now that we've laughed a lot and rolly chairs and one chip challenge. And um, the crazy thing is I went into HEB the other day and they had them on discount on the clearance rack. And I thought to myself, get thee behind me, Satan. So anyways, a little wisdom grown in that. But I'm so glad you're here today because we're going to talk about, we've worshipped about, we've been talking about partnering with the living God and understanding some things about his character. And the big idea today is, do you know you have spiritual authority and are you living in it? Are you exercising it? Are you walking as a believer, empowered by the Holy Spirit, effectively bringing change for the kingdom of God and pointing to the glory of the Father? That's my question to you today. Maybe, maybe that's something to ask yourself as we're walking through this because we've talked about spiritual strongholds and what it is to, to demolish those things at the foot of the cross and be like, no way, you do not get that authority over my life. I'm going to let you have that, God, and I want to see you break down these walls. Amen? Anything that keeps us from stepping into full relationship with Jesus, no way, I'm, I'm going to cancel it out. We've been talking about the armor of God. How many of you have been praying that over yourself for the last couple of weeks? I've heard a few stories too, man. I was praying over the armor of God and then God spoke to me here. And God spoke to me there and encouraged me. And one person said, and he challenged me that I probably shouldn't stay home and watch church online anymore. Amen. Okay. So these are just a few things that, you know, as, as we're coming through this series that God has been working on. And everybody, you know, Martin already stole my line. But what do we got to do with those thoughts when they come in? Grab and toss. It's not gravitas. It's grab and toss, okay? We've got to take those thoughts captive. And, and that scripture says, make them obedient to the will of who? Christ. Jesus, this is not from you. Did you know you have over 50,000 thoughts a day? I feel like you're wrestling to take them captive. But I'm telling you, we've got we've to put those things into action because God has something that he wants each and every believer, every son and daughter to realize you have authority. Do you believe me? Well, good. I'm going to go to the word of God because I don't think you trust me. You have authority. Amen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10, and I'm going to read some verses as we kick off today. And, and again, keeping with this, what authority do I possess in Jesus? What has he called me to? What has he uniquely gifted me to do for the sake of the kingdom and for his glory? And am I operating in that fully? Luke 10, 18. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, because Jesus was there. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, gross, and over all, how much? All the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Amen. He says, there's a lot of stuff I'm calling you to that's going to be awesome that you're going to experience. But realize this, you're saved forever and you get to spend eternity with me. Now go tell somebody about it. Now take this authority and go tread 
on snakes and scorpions and darkness and sickness and death and bring some people with you, amen? At least three of you agree. I mean, look, at, look around this room today. You are A plan. There is no B plan for the gospel. There's no B plan for the authority of Jesus. It's you. It's each and every believer in a chair listening online today. You have authority in Jesus. And he's calling you to come in deeper. Are there obstacles to that? Surely. Um, is maybe there's some just ignorance or lack of teaching and understanding of that? Yeah. I would say that even before I, I got saved in my early or my mid-20s, I didn't have a basis for some of this stuff to understand what it was to partner with the spirit of the living God in heaven, in God, hanging out with Jesus, working things out, who lives in me and who desires to live through my life. And then I began to experience it. Anybody ever think, well, I'm not worthy of that? Yeah, join the club. I'm not worthy, but Jesus says, but you are. So who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe your mushy man brain? Or are you going to believe Jesus? Are you going to believe God? Are you going to believe the Holy Spirit who's saying, I'm calling you to this? Yeah, but it freaks me out a little bit. And he's like, it's okay. I am with you. I'm not calling you to do this by yourself. How about just getting content? How about selfishness, fear, doubt, worry? We were in the Spirit-Filled Life class this morning, and someone said, what if I mess it up? And I'm like, mess it up. Exercise the authority that Jesus has placed and given you and said, go do these things. And just go and say, hey, um, my best human effort before God is this filthy rags, right? Like, I can't do anything good apart from him, but he lives in me. And desires to move through my life by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love Colossians 2, too, because there, Jesus, if, the, if you've been confused at all or still think I'm crazy, Jesus says, look, go and complete these things I've called you to. I'm not holding some record of wrongs against you. Again, your past sneaking up behind you, right? The sum of who you were and the things that you did do not equal how he sees you. Amen? Because if that's the case, we all just lock the doors and go home and quit, right? But God has a plan for your life, and he's given you authority to walk in. So much so that by dragging that beautiful cross and suffering the worst abuse anyone has ever seen, he disarmed the darkness, the enemy, principalities, powers. He put them on public spectacle and said, hey, look, I, I'm taking back what you think you stole, and I'm about to sell it and take care of it by the, my blood, lock, stock, and barrel, and then I'm going to give these sons and daughters the authority to live an empowered life in me. And nothing can in any way harm them or stop what I'm going to do. Amen? All authority. How much? Yeah, I love this in, uh, in the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Jesus says, Look, I have all authority. It's all been given to me. And now I'm calling you to walk in the authority that I'm placing on your life. I, I'm, I've gifted you. I've skilled you. I'm telling you this is how I see you. And you're called to great things. 
In uh, a book called I Give You Authority by Charles H. Kraft, he says this, Jesus' power came from being filled with the Holy Spirit, not from his own goodness, right? He's the only one that was good, though, right? Like, there is one. Well, that's him. Jesus even said, no, look to my father. But he was empowered to do great things. And I, I robbed this quote from a friend of mine because I really think it spoke to the, to the topic today and where we're headed in your spiritual authority. But our friend, uh, a friend, Kathy Geddick, said this, spiritual authority is rooted in identity. It's expanded in intimacy and it's activated by faith. It's rooted in who I am in Christ and what he's called me to. It's expanded as I spend time with him and understand who he is and what he's called me to do. And that it is grown, expanded when I step out in those gifts and say, God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I trust you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out and I'm going to operate in this authority that you've placed on my life. Where should the authority that we have in Christ point to? Should it point to my awesomeness because I ate a really hot chip? No. Although I did win. Um, no, everything, every gift, every skill. This team up here did a bomb job today, and they're gifted by, by, a, by a really good God who's given them skills to play notes and stuff and things. You know, it, there's gifts and talents, but here's the thing. All these things, your spiritual authority, everything you do when you squash a scorpion, yeah, God, that's all about you. Not about my power I possess because I can't do anything but the power of the Holy Spirit in me. A believer fully locked down understanding what God wants to do and the authority that we possess in Jesus. Katie, bar the door. Look out, folks. When you understand who you are and you operate in it, great things happen that point to God. Matthew 21 I mean, Jesus had great authority, right? He had all authority. He had the uh, full-on stamp of, stamp of heaven and from his Father and the Holy Spirit operating in his life. And in Matthew 21, I love the fact that he's teaching and he's, he's walking around. He's interacting with people. He's saying things that people are going, hmm, you have authority. You, you actually have it. Like these guys stand in here and teach and they talk about things and stuff. And they're just reading from a book. But it says that they were shocked that he spoke and acted with such authority because Jesus knew who he was. I am the son of God. And all y'all who are trying to confuse everybody else, I'm coming to tell the truth about who I am and about who you are. I mean, he just like mic drop all the time. Jesus would say something and roll out and they'd be like, who is this guy? It's the son of God. Hello. I love this. In that book I was reading, I Have Authority by Charles Kraft, he said this. He said, Jesus acted like he owned the place. Because he did. So my challenge to you is who are you? Who is your identity rooted in? Are you a son of the living God? Okay, three of you. We're getting there. Um, are you a daughter of the king? Are you like princess? Are you operating in that? Some of you would go, I think so. Okay, well, there's an authority that exists in every son and every daughter of the living God. Act like you own the place a little bit. 
And I'm not, again, I'm not talking about pointing to you. There have been a handful of times over the course of my Christian life where someone would be like, that sounds pretty arrogant. No, I'm just confident about who I know. He's transformed me, changed me. If, if my crazy, wild, loud faith bugs you, get around me and hang out with me and it might rub off on you a little bit because it's not something I have. It's what God has placed in me. So come on, let's roll. Let's take the authority that Jesus has given us and go be salt and to be light and to not live just kind of on coast mode anymore but like be lovingly violent with the gospel out there because there are people outside these four doors when you leave today that are dying and headed to hell for eternity. My kids one time were asking me, Dad, what does weeping and gnashing of teeth feel like? I'm like, you know when you grind your teeth really hard? And even like maybe you've chipped a tooth or snapped something off. Imagine that forever with heat and utter darkness and separation from who you knew now exists, Jesus. Do we want that for anyone? Not even your worst enemy. Not the government, not the local officials, not anything that's been swirling around our community. No one deserves that forever. But you're a plan. And if you walk in your spiritual authority, lives get to be changed So if Jesus had all authority, how much authority does the enemy have? Yeah, over a spirit-filled, life-changed believer understanding who you are and your identity, zero. Other than what we give him, right? I mean, we may get stuck in our brains, and again, we're imperfect, but he's like, hey, I see your identity. I know who you are. So when you get confused about your identity, ask God, because our Authorities rooted in our identity first. So who are you? Claim this over your life. John 1, 12 and 13. I'm a child of my heavenly father. When the enemy lies to you and tells you that you're not good enough, you're like, that's not what God says about me. I'm a child of the living God. John 17, 23. I am loved. Period. I did a bunch of stuff. Yeah, but you're loved. I failed yesterday. Yeah, I'm loved. I yelled at your kid. Sorry, Karis. Yeah, I'm loved. I make mistakes, but I'm coming right squarely back to the cross. Jesus, change me. Change my mind. Taking thoughts captive. Breaking down strongholds. Living as a son of the living God. Amen? Ephesians 1.1, 1, 1, you're a saint. Don't try to shake it. You're a saint. God said so. Okay, you're no longer some horrible rank thing, just kind of slime. I'm just a worm. I'll get there someday. Jesus, just have mercy on me. He's like, I'm calling you to some stuff. Come here. Let me show you who you are. Let me tell you who you are. Well, you know what? Just ask him, God, how do you see me? He'll tell you. He'll show you. He'll send somebody to you to tell you about how he sees you. Because that's how good he actually is. Ephesians 2.1, you're created with purpose. And destiny. Stuff he created in advance for you to do and then to go walk in for the sake of the kingdom. How much authority does an ambassador have? Anybody? Full. All. Well, if that's the case, then I'm just going to go. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says you're an ambassador of the kingdom of God. Does that make you Jesus? No, silly people. That makes you an empowered son submitted to the living God saying, breathe on me. Use me. Send me. 
I want to hear your voice. I want to operate in the authority you have. I don't want to be fearful and worried and, and doubtful. I want, to, I want to see disease crushed in the name of Jesus. I want to see lives changed. Again, not rejoicing in every gift that we have, that that's what we camp on, because at the end of the day, it's for the sake of the kingdom and the dead and the dying and lost that need to hear the gospel when a believer operates in, again, that submitted authority to Jesus. Tell me who I am. You're approved, sent, and certified for the mission. You are. But some of you are going like, uh, uh, Pastor Jeremy, you don't know my past. You don't even know my yesterday. It was pretty ugly. Jesus says, come on. Come here, let me, let me show you who I, who I see. Let me tell you who you are. And let me equip you and empower you to do this thing. Because the enemy will question the authority that you possess in Jesus. He will question your identity, who you are, and then he'll lie to you about all sorts of stuff. Amen? He's been lying since the beginning in Genesis when he said, did, did he really tell you not to eat that fruit, Eve? It looks really good. Did he really? I mean, if you eat it, you'll, you'll be just like God. Guess what? They already were created in the image of God, set in this perfect place. He's going to tell you all sorts of stuff that's counter what is real. We have to stay connected to the source, amen? We need to be asking God, reveal who I am in your word. Reveal to me, to my heart, to my life in prayer who I am. Again, the sum of your past does not equal who you are today. Amen? In Ezekiel and Revelation, it talks about trees that are rooted and planted by the river. They're rooted and planted and draw resource and water and sustenance from the river of God. It says that everything around them is growing flush and or flush, yeah, growing lush and green and deep and wide because it's connected to the source. God, I'm coming to you in prayer today. God, thank you for your word. I want to know more about you because I want to be in right relationship with you so I can see myself as you see me for the mission ahead. But our authority is, is rooted in identity, but it's expanded in intimacy. I know all you guys are going, gross, I don't want to be intimate with Jesus. Anybody ever have that thought besides me? Okay, no one. He's like, I desire for you to know me and I want to know you more. I want to hear your heart. Anybody, I was in prayer last week and I just start weeping in the presence of God, which isn't hard for me. I'm a crier. Um, I'm just weeping and God's just telling me, son, I'm so proud of you for this and and so proud of you for this and good job there. And then because he's a good dad and he's like, I need you to square up on some things here because I've got some things for you to do. And I'm still shaping and molding and making you more into my image that you can be salt and light when you walk this earth. So come and hang out with me. I want to I hear your heart. I want to know everything you have to say. I care about your dog and your cat and your lawn and all that stuff. I know that breaks your brain. But that's how close he is to you. And that's how much he cares. He cares about all that stuff. Anybody have ample extra time? 
Find some time to get with God. When you get in your car to do your commute, don't turn your radio on. Invite him in for that 45-minute drive and say, God, this is my time with you today. When you're walking, I saw Nathan walking the grounds around uh, out of our staff meeting on a, on, a, on a Monday. And I asked him what he doing. He said, I'm just prayer walking, talking to God, hanging out outside. I mean, whatever it looks like for you, carve out some intimate time with God. Because God, I, I don't only want to know the things you say about me. I want to hear your heart. I want to know how to pray. I want to find out more about how you are and how you think of me, your goodness, your love, your grace, your mercy, and your discipline because you're a really good dad and you desire to do good things through my life and you bless me but you also correct me and you keep me on a path that points to you. Intimacy, time with him. Hey, man, get plugged into small caring community. Find a life studies class at 9 a.m. Get in a real life group. There's one launching in Marble Falls today in Meadow Lakes, actually, at the Carter's Fine Home. We'll be there at 3 o'clock. Get plugged into community. Find a place to serve and give your life away. Get connected in community and then give your life away. Find somebody you can even invite in and say, hey, uh, I don't know a lot about God, but I'd like to know more. Would you, would you disciple me? For those of you that are in that place where you know you could disciple someone else, ask God in this intimate time who you should invest your life into and then pay attention because he'll reveal it to you. There's probably about 400-ish people here today, roughly. If each one of you discipled one person, if each one of you led one person to the Lord this year, this church would double in size and we'd be back to two services. Yuck. No, I'm kidding. It's a lot of work, but that means lives are being transformed. That means people' identity is being squared up. Come, to, come tonight at 5.30. You'll hear more about your identity and what it is to walk in right relationship with God and then relationship and community. Again, another avenue to get plugged in and connected. To truly know him and then to make him known. I was thinking about this last week. You know, Scott referenced David and his time, and I'm like, imagine David's quiet time out in the field tending, tending stinky sheep. Can you imagine what that time was like? Worship team, this is not your call. I'm going to save you. Okay, just making sure. Because <laughs> I told him David, but I got David twice in my sermon. There you go. <laughs> Fail. Um, but David, all that time in the field with the sheep, talking to God. Hearing from his heavenly father, David, man, you're so awesome. David, I've got great things in store for you. I'm tending sheep, God. Yeah, but you just wait. Watch what I do. I'm going to be mighty in my house. And then David just telling God, I wish I didn't have to tend sheep all the time and I could hang out with my family. I mean, just dumping his heart out to a living, loving God. Spending time in worship on his own outside of this awesome celebration service that we have on Sunday. Listening, pulling up a park bench and just saying, God, what do you, what do you have for me today? I just want to hear your voice. What do you want to tell me? What do you want to reveal to me today? Holy Spirit, show me. I mean, invite him in and he's really good. He'll come. But I mean, David, Wayne, Scott, Wendell, John, hanging out with God, asking him, God, what do you have for me today? 
I'm your son, and I want to I fully know who I am, and I want to walk in intimate relationship with you. So what does that look like practically? Here's what it looks like. Luke 10, demons have to submit to you in Jesus' name. When your identity lines up and your intimacy lines up and the Holy Spirit becomes to, begins to come alive and bubble on the inside of you, you're like, whoa, this is weird. And he's like, yeah, and those things have to submit to you in my name. Ephesians 2, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. You're a co-heir to the throne of heaven. That's who you are. I'm not telling you. This is what, this is what God says about you. You're co-heirs to the throne. I mean, I think if we can grasp that, we probably think a lot different about who we are and who he is when he says, look, I desire you to be so close to me that, like, you got a seat at the table. Come on. Come eat. How about uh, Mark 16? Go there with me. I love this because I think it's just practical stuff we can walk out as believers and, and just be sons and daughters of the living God. And then we can do this kind of stuff. And this is Jesus in Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone because everybody needs to hear about me. Anyone who believes and baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes, yuck, with safety and drink poisonous thing or anything poisonous. It won't hurt them. And they will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. You're like, that even freaks me out even more. I'm like, awesome. Come hang out with me. I'm a weirdo. Um, I love Jesus, and I'm, like I said, I've fully stepped into that authority. I've laid hands on the sick, and they've recovered. And guess what? I've laid hands on people, and they don't recover. It's not about me. It's about walking in this authority that Jesus says we have and then trusting him to go ahead and do the deal, right? I can't heal anybody. But God can through a believer who fully understands who they are, walking in intimate relationship, and then practically Saying, okay, I'm going to trust you in this. I've had people come to me and say, I think this gift's in operation. I'll, come here, I'll lay hands on you and pray for you that God will give it and stir it up even more and that you'll be able to walk in it and release it. Often, again, it's time, time spent with God and, and distance and relationship with him. And you see him do some stuff and you're like, yeah. This old lady walked into a, a meeting that they build as a, a healing meeting in Peru. And I was like, great, no pressure there. They build it as a healing meeting, and I'm thinking to myself, God, I'm not even, I'm not qualified and cut out, and I can't. And he said, yeah, but I can. Walk in your authority. That same trip, so she walks into that meeting that night. Prior to her coming in that meeting that night, I was wrestling with my own self. And in a, in a room in my hotel room, I got pinned down by a dark cloud of demons, and they said, we don't want you here. I physically couldn't move. Okay, I'm just sharing my story with you about walking in authority. And, and I said, you know what? That's fine. And in my brain, I was freaking out. Just be honest. You get held down by a dark cloud in your bed, and I couldn't see anything in the room. And there was a roommate somewhere in that black mess. And I said, you know what? That's fine. God's going to show up and transform lives and heal some people tonight. You have to go in Jesus' name. Done. There's my roommate. And I was like, whoa. Again, had no basis for it. That never happened to me before, but it's biblical that things like that do happen. And then Jesus says, 
you dirty, rotten snake, you got to go in Jesus' name. He asserted that authority, and he says, you have that same authority to command darkness to zip its lip in Jesus' name. Darkness, you have to go. Light of Jesus, come, and you can do things. That lady shows up in that meeting tonight. I wanted to pray for her so bad that evening, but one of my 17-year-old students got to her first, and I was like, shoot. She lays hands on her, begins to pray in the name of Jesus, a 17-year-old girl squarely understanding her identity in Christ and the authority that she had to practically walk out her faith. She lays hands on this lady. She begins to stand up straight. A smile comes on her face, and her hands open like this. That's a 17-year-old kid who understood who she was and what God had called her to do. Amen? I mean, I could share story after story about that one trip. It's crazy how many, how many examples exist in there. But you have that authority. It's not about the words that you say because the seven sons of Sceva were running around proclaiming to, uh, they're like, demons submit in Jesus' name. That's really cool. Who is Jesus anyway? Um, they had no clue. They had no basis on understanding. They had no identity in Christ. They just knew the name. And they threw around the name, and then one time the demon snapped its head around. He's like, Jesus, I know. And Paul, who are you? Uh-oh. And then they ended up getting their clothes pretty much stripped off their body and whooped by a demon. Okay? So I say that to say this. Don't willy-nilly silly go in and think you're so awesome. Okay? You might have an opposite experience. But Jesus, you said I could take authority over this stuff. And this darkness is consuming that person. In the name of Jesus, you have to go. Mind, you just do this for yourself too. Sometimes I do this. Mind, you zip it in Jesus' name. That's not from God. I am a son of the living God, called to do great things that point to Jesus, right? Bring glory to the Father. John 4, 4, how about this one? Greater is he that is in, that is in the world. There's a greater force that gets to whoop and wreak havoc on the darkness that's in this world. And his name is Jesus, and he lives in you. And you're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do great things. Amen? Y'all are so quiet today. Okay, amen. Does that mean you're scared? No, I'm kidding. It's an exciting life we get to live when we understand all this stuff. So if it is rooted in identity and it's expanded in intimacy and it's activated by faith, my question to you is, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to believe what Jesus said and who he's called us to be and are we going to bring effective change in this community that we live in, in Burnett County, in the state of Texas, affecting the nation's and affecting the United States by what he births right from this place. It's activated and lived out. Some of you would say, man, I don't have any basis for that. I was riding around with Kincaid this week and he said, you know, I've never, I've never seen that happen. But he said, if someone called you to go, I'd get in a truck and go with you. Come on. Right? I mean, you don't have a basis. Get around some people who can teach and teach rightly and Divide this word of God and see the spirit come alive on the inside of you because the authority is that the darkness has to stop in Jesus' name. It has to submit. We declare and we release healing over Lonnie Wilkes and he's wrestling in the hospital, but guess what? Not over yet. 
Amen. And many of you know Lonnie. I'm just using that as an example. It has been a roller coaster like this inside of that hospital. But you have believers who are willing to trust a living, loving, powerful God and assert that authority in prayer and declare and release healing over his body in the name of Jesus. Again, we can't heal, but God can. He said, good, come ask me. I want to do some stuff. I want to restore your relationships. I want to breathe fresh on your life so that it looks like me. Hebrews 11, 1 and 2, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. That's my son. That's my daughter. I mean, can you imagine Moses with the staff? I'm just saying, I'm like, yeah, throw that thing down and the water's going to part. And he looks behind to see a million people waiting to see if he's going to fail or fall short. Okay, you said to do it water parts they walk through on dry land. That's pretty miraculous, right? I've been in those situations too where God calls you to do something and you're like, that, whew, okay, um, I'm going to go do that. And you are scared. It's okay. Maybe your heart's beating. You're like, God, I know you told me to talk to that person, but I, I'm not so sure. I'm just going to be obedient and share. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you use my life, Holy Spirit. I'm going to I'm going to pray. If someone comes to you and they're sick, just say, hey, hey, could you pray for me? Yeah, come here. Grab them right then and pray for them right there. I begin to ask God, God, I, wanna, I want you to use my life in the area of healing. I had no clue if that gift even rested on my life, although it says it right here. If you lay hands on the sick and pray. James says the righteous prayer, uh, the prayer of a righteous one has great power and it's working. I just started to lay hands on people. I'm going to pray for you. Boom, pray for you. God said, don't let them walk away. I'm like, okay, come here. You're sick? Good. I told, I told somebody the other day, if you tell me you're sick, I'm praying for you now before you leave here because I will say I will pray for you and then you'll walk away and I'll forget because I'll want to go eat pizza or something. Come here. Let me lay the anointed hands of God, not the anointed hands of Jeremy because I'm so awesome. Let me lay these anointing hands. Let, let's, let's put oil on you and call the elders and let's lay hands on you and see you recover. Amen. Practically, it looks like stepping out when it feels kind of crazy. Trusting God will require you to take risks, but risk will make you feel out of control and it's probably sometimes irresponsible. It may seem unwise. Of course, risk will make you come face to face with your greatest fears, disappointments, failures, and frustration. All that stuff the enemy would tell you why you're not good enough. But freedom, peace, and joy can only be found by taking the road of risk today. Hey, take a step. We're launching a new ministry called Freedom Prayer. If you heard something today, if you want to see a stronghold broken off of your life, if you need to dump a trailer load of junk at this altar when we go back into worship here in a few minutes, then come. If you go to the website and you click the resources tab on the upper right-hand side and scroll down, you'll see HCF Freedom Prayer. Click there. Gives you a description about an hour of focused prayer time to see some darkness, fear, Worry, doubt, broken off your life so you can live a full life in Christ, in the right identity, in intimacy with God, walking out a powerful life of faith. So I want to encourage you. This is in addition to the altar ministry. We've only got a few minutes with you here. But if you want some focused prayer, we want to spend time with you because we believe this about you. 
that there are gifts and things that may be locked up and stopped up that God wants you to be free so that you can be salt and light when you leave this place in a greater way, pointing to Jesus. Man, why are you so full of joy, man? Jesus touched my heart, changed my life. Can I tell you about him? Nope. And then you can turn around and go, hey, Jesus changed my life. Can I tell you about him? Yes. Good. There's your opportunity to just say, Jesus, thank you for using my life today. Hey, take a leap, man. By faith, do some of these things. Lay hands on a sick person. You know, someone's freaking out. Hey, could you come to my house and pray for me? Hey, invite me, I'll go with you. There's some weird stuff going on in my house. I don't have a basis for it. Good, we'll go command those things to go in the name of Jesus, and they have to go. Exercising what Martin shared about being laying on your belly in bed, sick with the disease, saying, no, in Jesus' name, dark thoughts, you have to go. That's not from God. David had a history with the Lord. How is your history with him? Still writing it, right? He had a history. We get this great picture to look at David's life. He understood who God was completely. He understood fully who he was as a child of the living God. So much so, he's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine mocking the armies of God? Give me five rocks and let me wing one and then I'll cut his head off. He understood the authority of God that operated on his life. Now we might not, you know, physically we're not thankfully lopping heads off of giants. But what it points to is the fact that when someone is in alignment with God and they know who they are and they know who he is and they begin to express faith, stuff happens for the sake of the kingdom. Bodies are healed in Jesus' name. Darkness has to go. Relationships are restored supernaturally because of our willingness to bring ourselves, who we are, and all the stuff we understand and don't understand and say, God, teach me, show me. Holy Spirit, reveal to me who I am and what I'm supposed to do. He embraced his inheritance from, the, from God and then he walked it out. That's who I am? Good. You're going to call me to great stuff? I don't know what that looks like, but today it looks like killing a giant. Today, it looks like expressing faith because someone's got a cold. Today, you know, in, and God may use people around you to motivate you. One of the most motivating things is Karis was about four years old. Kalina had a 103-degree fever. I'd been praying for her all day, exercising authority. She walks in, looks at me, looks at Kalina in the bathtub, shoves her hands in there and says, Lord, heal my sissy in Jesus' name. Fever, gone, done in Jesus' name. Because the spirit of the living God that lives in a four-year-old person, lives in a 10-year-old person, lives in a 30-year-old person, lives in a 70-year-old person, the spirit of the living God that lives in you is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And if you didn't hear anything else, I said that's the same spirit that lives in you. Take authority, church. Say darkness, no way in Jesus' name. That situation, that's not of God. I'm praying into that. I'm meeting you, God, in these moments. Show me who I am. Develop a deeper heart and a sense of who you are and, and release it for the sake of the kingdom. Focus on him. Practice his presence. Thank him. Worship him. Love him. Ask him to change your mindsets. I think we can all agree the world is a mess, right? You have hope. Truth, love, peace, joy. Go and give it away. 
in the mighty name of Jesus, let's see a harvest of souls come into the kingdom for the sake of them being saved forever, not being separate from Jesus, pointing to the glory of the Father because we just believe that we have that authority to be ones who are going to take the gospel. It, it's not going to happen. You are a plan. Amen? All right, stand with me. We're going to pray and we're going to worship, worship the Lord on one more song. I want to, Pastor Scott already threw out the challenge. I want to encourage you, come to this altar. Meet a living God here today and say, change me. I want to know who you say I am. I want to grow in deeper relationship with you. And I'm going to walk it out in faith. Some of you are even thinking like, man, my faith has been low. Come get some. I get it. I go through those times where I feel like I'm bumping through darkness and rolling on a shallow river and I've got to wade into that source that God has given me and say, God, I need more of you. I want more of you. And I want to operate in those gifts that you have for me for the sake of your kingdom because this is what you called me to. Luke 4.18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. That's you, amen? He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. Lord, will you put our hearts and minds in a place to rest in you, to trust in you, and to walk full of faith by the authority that, as ambassadors that you've given to us that we would see your kingdom come in Jesus' name.